Welcome to the Humanize the Numbers podcast series. Leaders, managers and owners of ambitious accounting firms sharing insights, successes and issues that will challenge you and connect you and your firm to the ways and means of transforming your firm's results. Because since lockdown or since since March, we now yeah. hold daily team meetings, which we didn't do previously. Oh, really? Right. Um, and that's been been really interesting and really useful as well. Quite empowering, I think, for, for both, both the team and myself. As far as productivity is concerned, productivity has actually gone up through through lockdown. Brilliant. Um, yeah, it is. It's a bit bizarre, but it is brilliant. Have you ever wondered if you'd get greater productivity from your team if you had more contact with your team on a weekly or possibly even a daily basis? Well, Sean Farnell from Burgess and Bullock on this podcast interview talks about how the number of contacts between him and his team has directly impacted on the productivity of his firm. Sean also talks about the importance and now the expectations clients have on the volume of contact between his team and the team within those business owner clients. Let's dive into that podcast interview with Sean Farnell now. Really excited to welcome Sean Farnell to Humanise the Numbers podcast. Sean, welcome. Thank you very much for taking time out today and joining us. And to kick off with, would you give us an, an insight into who Burgess and Bullock are, please, and your role in that, and a little bit about your team and your customer base, if you would? Sure. Thank you, Paul. Um, nice to be with you, too. So Burgess and Bullock is a regional firm of accountants. We have six offices based primarily across the Midlands, across Warwickshire. Um, what are we? We're three equity partners, eight partners and approximately 65 team members. Long established, you could say we're a fairly traditional firm in a lot of senses. So we've been around for 135 years now. Um, do full service, full, full service regional firm, as you would expect. So the only thing that we don't do for businesses is uh, liquidations, insolvency, but everything else from sort of birth through to growth through to uh, exit. Right. So um, now I know we, we worked a little bit together a, a good number of, of years ago when there was three offices. So uh, moved on a tad since we were last uh, interacting with each other. How do you how do you um, make a uh, six office firm feel like it's a human place to work? You know, it's a, it's that that connectivity piece as it, as opposed to it being a, a a disparate you know corporate style business. What what's going on to ensure that uh, it feels human? That well, that's really product? that's yeah that's that's actually really easy. All you do is as you as you grow, you continue to work and operate and deal with people in the same way that you always have done. I think whether you're a sole practitioner with two members of staff or whether you're a multi-office, multi-partner, um, 50, 60, 70 member team, if you deal with people as people and mm. you speak to clients, you speak to team, you speak to contacts as human beings and you have that casual yet professional relationship but it doesn't matter how big you are i mean a, a wise man once said to me you know it doesn't matter the size it's just an extra naught on the end of a number uh, very good very good so it's it's just um people are people doesn't matter about levels it's just that it is they are who who, who they are um wh what about uh, working with those people in such a way that um they embrace change has that got easier as you've got bigger or has it got harder as you've got bigger as a firm Ooh, killer question. I would be lying if I said it had got easier. Right. I don't think it's necessarily got any harder, though. I think the human condition is one that we or most people naturally resist change. They are, mm. they are suspicious of change. Um, 
fortunately or unfortunately for my fellow partners and team, I'm not one of those. I like change. I always have done. I've always embraced it. And you mm. know, we've, we've known each other for quite a number of years now, Paul. Mm. But what you have to realise, and I think what I've realised as I've got older and as the firm has developed, that everybody is different. So some people's motivations will be completely different to your own. Just because I can see something as being really easy and obvious doesn't mean that the rest of the team or individuals within that team will necessarily do so. So the answer to your question is hasn't really got any more difficult, but it hasn't got any easier either. Right. Okay. Okay. So it's it, it's the, the the challenge isn't associated with the number of people or the scale or number of offices. It's just hard because you're saying it's an intrinsic part of who people are, albeit some are different. I.e., you're different. Yeah. Exactly. People are people. You know, and we're all weird in in, in our own little ways. Um, I couldn't possibly comment, Sean. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, the the uh, tell me about um, in 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 given the nature of your firm, what what is it that's um, exciting you and your fellow partners about the profession at this moment in time? Or if you want to take a longer term perspective over the last, you know, I, and I'm trying to avoid uh, pandemic lockdown and all of that. But what's exciting you about the profession and and your role within it? I think I think. What gets me out of bed in the morning is that one word again, it is change. We live in unprecedented times and it's not just because of the pandemic, although the pandemic in some bizarre ways has actually helped the accounting profession to face up to the changes that have been coming for the last 20, 30, 60 years or so. Hmm. Um, and I'm talking about the challenges around things like technology, around things, uh, for example, knowledge being much broadly shared than it was 20, 30 years ago, you know, before the internet, if you wanted to know a piece of tax legislation, you would have to go and see an accountant and wait in the in the in reception area and then pay a fee for yeah. having that conversation. Whereas today, all we do is pop along to Professor Google, you know, type the things in and you've got an answer. Now, that is both a serious challenge to the profession and it is a serious challenge to the profession, but it's also a real opportunity to the profession as well. I think, you know, the old adage of a little bit of knowledge can be a dangerous thing yeah. is, is absolutely true. And, and uh, I don't see Google as any different to the man in the pub, who the mate in the pub who always had an answer for whatever the question was that, that your client would be asking them back in the you know 70s, 80s, 90s, is yeah. now just Google. And, and yes, that answer might be right, but the likelihood is there's no nuance attached to that. And that's where I see the profession really sort of earning its corn in, in the future. So so change is good. I like change. Any any profession, any business, any individuals who don't change are, are asking for trouble. The rate of change has really accelerated over the last, well, particularly over the last 12 months, but I would say probably looking over the last five years and it's it's really sort of taken off from a technology perspective but I see that as giving us many more opportunities to be what accountants have always said that they are i.e partners with their business clients rather than just somebody who gives a bit of advice and, and you know expects a fee at the end of it um, and that in itself is a challenge as I say both for both for firms and for individuals. So that you, you're talking about the move from maybe a, a, a transactional way of doing business as an accounting firm to one which is a relationship-driven piece. Yeah, now, now, don't now, get me wrong. Yes, but but the, the accountant-client relationship has always been very much relationship-driven. Good firms of accountants have always had people in them that, that can build relationships on a personal level. Hmm. Now, they might not then want to take that relationship further than just that transactional piece, but I think that's been a real strength of the profession 
I mean, you know, 30 plus years that I've been in it, I've met some really, really brilliant accountants who are really, really nice, you know, men and women. Um, I've met one or two, and it has been one or two that would fit that archetypal, you know, grey man in a grey suit sort of image that we, you know, the, yeah, the, yeah, John, yeah. the John Cleese, Cleese issue. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. That might be, a, I don't know whether that's because the profession as a whole is genuinely made up of good people who are um, good communicators or whether it's just because the people that aren't sit behind their desk and I never get to meet them, so I'm not quite sure. But, but I think on the whole, the profession is all about relationship building and it always has been. Well, you say that, but yeah, I, I, I'm challenged by that. I agree the profession is full of, of, of good people and, you know, uh, with good communication skills. But I, I, I've been into too many firms where we've looked at the um, the average number of meetings, discussions between the accountancy firm and the client, and the average comes out at about 1.2 meetings a year across, you know, and I've been into dozens of firms. And, and it's... And as much as, yes, that's a, an annual relationship, you know, if we see each other once a year over seven years, you're going to build a relationship as opposed to, you know, I think there's even more pressure now for that to become, you know, two or three or four or more times a year because of the the, the, the Professor Google, to use your phrase, actually, you know, creating arguably more uncertainty and therefore the need for having that professional contact uh, deeper uh, and therefore more regular relationship. Do you think there's, there's, there's do you, are you feeling as a firm the pressure to have more dialogue with more clients more often? Not yet. Um, it, it's, it's a route we've been traveling down for quite a number of years now, 10 plus years, is, is, to, is to have that different level of relationship with our clients and to be offering a slightly different service on top of the compliance service. You know, I think compliance work isn't dead. Um, I agree. I, I vividly remember a partners meeting, it'd be about 15 years ago now, where we, we, we sort of came to the conclusion that within 10 years of that point in time, there wouldn't be a single fee for doing a personal tax return. It would all have gone. And here we are now, 15 years on, and we're still doing and tax returns. And you've still returns got thousands of returns. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe less than we did 15 years ago, but we've still got plenty of them, and it's still an important source of income to, to, to every firm. Yes. But I think that the, that, that shift is changing slowly. I think possibly the accounting profession has tried to drive that before necessarily businesses were ready for that. I think there's a perception issue. And uh, I remember or oh, some years ago, and Paul, you'll probably remember this, I was up at Durham University and we did an exercise with a group of other accountants and some local business owners. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that we did is we asked the business owners to tell us what they thought of accountants and tell us what, what, what our range of services were. You know, and we're all sort of thinking, well, we've got a range of services that's as wide as my arm. Yeah, yeah, 43 of them, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And we're expecting yeah. the business owner to say it's sort of shoebox size. And in the end, every business owner, every man and woman said it would fit into a matchbox. And that really shocked me. That mm. really surprised me that I knew there was a perception gap, but I didn't realise it was quite that big. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think the profession has probably been trying to, or, or many of us within the profession has probably been trying to move into that more sort of consultative relationship, uh, regular meeting um, um, ethos with, with all of our business clients before many of the business clients have been ready for that. However, that is definitely changing. Certainly over the last three or four years now, we're starting to find that more of the new businesses, whether they're startups or whether their business is moving to us, are asking for that increased contact are asking for that greater relationship and of course come 2022 mm. making tax digital comes in mm. that's a complete game changer again mm. 
So what, what do you think is differentiating those younger business owners wanting more contact as opposed to the older, crusty ones wanting less contact? I think it's as simple as habit, to be honest, Paul. I think a lot of the older business owners have had that relationship where they maybe met their accountant. You said 1.2 times per annum. Mm. I think that's probably 0.2 more than most accountants. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was being generous. Traditionally. <laughs> Um, so that annual contact where all you do is you see your accountants as a cost center, you know, it mm. is a necessary evil. I've got to have a set of accounts prepared. I've got to have an audit. I've got to do my tax returns, whatever it might be. Mm. And really all I'm interested in is what's the tax number and that's the relationship. Right. And, I, and I think there has been a good number of generations. You know, you think back pre nineties, certainly that was very much the way that the majority of the profession was run and the majority of businesses mm. would expect, you know, mm. you go and go and see, <laughs> Uh, an ex-partner of mine once said in a, in a, well, it was a newspaper article in those days, um, you know, a visit to the accountant is very much seen like a visit to the dentist. So, you know, you, it's something you don't look forward to. You know it's going to be painful while you're there and at the end you get a big bill. And I, and I think this, that, that traditional mindset um, within some of the older business owners, whereas the younger ones, and gen- well, not necessarily younger people, but newer businesses is probably the safer way of saying it, yeah. can see the benefit in having that more consultative, more open-flowing dialogue with, with their professional advisors. Well, I'm still wondering what is it that's driving that, though? If it's not an age thing, they're a newer business, is it the fact that we're in a m- more tech-savvy world and therefore uh, that's there's, there's more uncertainty attached to that and therefore they want more advice what, what do you what do you think that's about i think there's two things i think um yes to a degree there is more we are much more tech savvy so we expect to be able to get answers to things quicker and if that means i've got to speak to somebody or whatsapp them or email them or whatever it is and it's my accountant then then that's what i do yeah i also think um I was listening to a podcast actually just at lunchtime when I was out on a run and it was um, Emil Heskey. Talking. Was that in the car, Sean, was that? No, I was on a, in a, on a run, Paul. You know, <laughs> I actually got my legs out and everything. I know, I know, looking at me, you wouldn't think it was true, but it did happen, honestly. Uh, Sorry, Sean. I couldn't resist. Couldn't resist. <laughs> but um, it, it was Emil Heskey was talking about um, the way that society has changed since he started as a, as a young footballer. Yeah. Um, and the problems that he'd had, sort of sort of depression and, and um, um, racial um, inequality and, all, and you yeah, know, various other things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the fact that conversations weren't had in those days, you know, you couldn't say to somebody, I feel depressed or I feel a bit, you know, I'm alone and whatever, because you'd have been seen as weak and you wouldn't have got in the team. Mm. Whereas today, it's almost expected that you have those conversations. Mm. And I think that psychological shift has been a societal psychological shift. So newer businesses are expecting to be able to share the fact that, you know, I've got a challenge here, you know, is there somebody that can help me? Or, you know, am I doing this right? Or is this really such a stupid idea? And they're much more the conversations that we're having now. All right, that's interesting. Um, so, so if we if we take that on the chin around, there's there's a, there is a societal shift towards uh, more conversations. There's more merit, there's more openness, and maybe more uh, candidness as well. And you look at you know the, the movements like Black Lives Matter, where all of a sudden there's a conversation taking place that didn't, and, and thank goodness for that. Um, uh, XR being another one, I guess, in terms of the environment, and there's there's those sorts of shifts. But I I, I just want to take that and go. Look, if we we're talking about humanising the numbers, and there is this shift towards more conversations, newer businesses wanting more interaction. Uh, how's that influenced the numbers that you track and measure in Burgess, Burgess and Bullock to? 
prove, to demonstrate, to hold people to account the fact there are more conversations meant to happen and therefore they do. How, how are you tracking and measuring that? Are we still challenged on that one, Paul? I'll be brutally honest with you. Right. Um, so we actually task our guys, um, our guys and girls, to have conversations with clients at times when the client hasn't instigated them. Right. Um, you know, so we, we, we've said, well, there's a, there's a couple of us. I, I'm old enough to be of the generation that, you know, we were, we were sort of pre-email and, and all the rest of it. So if you wanted to go and see a client, you either picked up the phone or you popped in and saw them. Yeah. So if we were out and about visiting a client and there was another one on the way home, you'd generally you'd pop in and see them unannounced. And it was amazing how that quickly builds up a relationship and how often those visit, visits result in, you know, you just have a cup of tea and a chat and you end up with a piece of work at the end of it as well. And that's an ethos that I think, particularly some of the younger members of the team struggle with. Um, and, and talking is, I think, some of the younger people find quite difficult to, to talk. I think texting and emailing is, is second nature, but actually picking up the phone or speaking face-to-face -face is a little bit more of a challenge. So I'll be brutally honest with you. It's a KPI that we're trying to implement, but we haven't quite got a handle on how we would do that in, in a way that was fair to each of the individuals, fair to the team, and yet mm. open open for the for the broader B&B so um, if you've got any ideas on that I'd be glad to hear them well and, 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 and it, it's not just a purchase and bullock thing it is a, a, a profession thing but it's interesting talking to firms about um, uh, CRM customer relationship management software uh, because it, it, it's um, there seems to be more of an appetite for that dialogue in order to record and therefore measure the number of interactions between team members and clients um, but actually the, the issue there though is um, can you can you it's what it's dead easy to open a piece you know uh, uh, install a piece of software or install a new cloud app but actually we're still back to your comment earlier about how do you get people to habitualize habitually make a record of the fact they've had a conversation yeah exactly. um, but um in terms of trying to respond to your request for help if then you track and measure the number of calls that is uh, uh, captured in the CRM and those number of calls per client bank show up in an appraisal then and or in the uh, activity numbers for the week because I'm, I'm of the view that um, unless we track and measure numbers on a weekly basis you ain't going to get any sort of a habitual buy-in because every every one of us drifts back to our old habits that's just the science of habit They're, you know the the myelin in our brains has just been so hardwired that we'll always drift back to doing what we've always done yeah. uh, in terms of installing a new habit then it's you've got to have something that triggers a discussion triggers that habit on a daily or weekly basis and what's neat about an, an accounting firm and and certainly when I look at all the firms I work with the firms that have, have grasped wholeheartedly the fact that the rhythm of business is every week not every month and there's a there's a process of tracking and measuring two or three or four kpis every week without fail they're the ones that gain the shift gain the habitual buy-in and it's um you know if you've got a, a target number for the number of meetings or zoom calls with a client every, with clients each week per person per manager or whatever then the kpi drives the accountability which drives the nurturing of the new habit which drives the recording recording it in the crm so maybe that's um that's the piece that uh, has to be taken that that number has to be taken as seriously as the volume of billing done that week yes yes so it make, makes a lot of sense uh, 
we have our challenges around CRMs. We've had two or three CRMs, I think, in the 20-odd years that mm. I've been at this firm, and um, each one of them has fallen flat on its face through a lack of people actually inputting information it. into it. Yeah. So, you know, there's a little bit of a reluctance um, to go down the CR- CRM route again. I think having that as a... I could actually do it as a daily a KPI because since lockdown or since since March, we now yeah. hold daily team meetings, which we didn't do previously. Oh, really? Right. Um, and that's been been really interesting and really useful as well. Quite empowering, I think, for, for both, both the team and myself. So quite an easy thing for me to do would just at, at the start or the end of those meetings, just have a review of who each individual has spoken to. Mm. Um, and who they've initiated the the conversations with, as opposed to the other way around. Has it, has it been a good. responsive one? Yeah, and it, yeah. and it and that that's it's into if you um, the the science of habit, which is captured brilliantly in a book by like all Charles Duhigg, um, uh, and and he talks about there's if you look carefully enough, you'll find a a keystone. Uh, trigger a keystone habit and that d- daily team meeting is the source of that i think in 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 your firm um and yeah you bolt it onto something that's already working the chances are you'll um you'll bring an appreciation that that's as important as anything else in the firm and it enables us to give that consistency of approach then as well doesn't it, it if it shows up in everyone absolutely yeah. it does yeah 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 so wow, da- daily team meetings. Now that's that's humanising workflow, isn't it? If you're checking in with ev- everyone in the team every day, presumably that's not you checking in with everyone in every six office. No, no, no. We uh, all have our own little teams. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so do you have an agenda for that? Um, we have a loose agenda for it. We don't have a written agenda. It, it's sort of developed over probably over the first couple of weeks back in March. Yeah. Um, but but yes. Yeah, so effectively, what we do is we we always have a you know just a bit of niceties at the start. Yeah. And then we run through each individual, what work they're doing on that day, what challenges they've got for for the day, right. and then we have an open session where we look at um, challenges, problems, issues, and questions. Yeah. Um, that they can either bounce between themselves as a team, or they can ask me, and obviously I'll respond as as appropriate. And and as part of the wrap up, if something's changed, so if there's been a new piece of legislation or a new announcement where the furloughs changed or something along mm-hmm. those lines, then I'll use that as an opportunity to brief the team before we send out our written documentation that goes out to clients and goes on the web. Mm, okay, so uh, I've, I've had pushback on this because what I'm seeing, Sean, is across all the firms that I work with, the firms that have, have, have instigated much more team contact, team interaction uh, over this year, 2020, are the ones that have actually succeeded more than the ones who've done less. You know, it's, it's as plain as the nose on the face that, uh, that that works. And But I get pushback from the firms who aren't doing it going, oh, that just feels a little bit too intense, uses up too much management time, feels a bit like Big Brother that we're watching them every day. Tell me, how, how have your team responded to that daily 1984 style check-in that you know we're instigating <laughs> it's, it's, it's only 1984 from the perspective of the clothes that i wear during the meetings all right okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but no it's it's not big brother it, it's an opportunity for them to discuss what they're doing whether they've got any issues yes don't get me wrong obviously i am keeping tabs on who's doing what and how jobs are progressing but but it's we're not going into the nitty-gritty you mm. know somebody says to me you know, I'm going to do this job today mm. um, and then they're still doing it tomorrow and they're still doing it the day after. Well, that's fine until it gets to a point at which you might go, well, you know, are you having some issues with this? And then they'll share that with the wider team. It's yeah. no different as if we were all sitting in the office. Mm. People would nat- naturally have those conversations. Now, obviously being remote, remote working, yeah. you haven't got that same level of uh, 
banter, sharing, um, communication. Yeah. So the team meeting is a real opportunity to do that. We've never done it. It's never been set up from the perspective of this is Big Brother looking to check up on you to make sure you're doing what you're doing. And we've been quite open with the guys as well. We've sort of yeah. said right from the start, look, you're working from home. We know things are different. We know, you know, you might have childcare, you might have dogs, you might have, I don't know, a boiler band coming, whatever it, whatever, yeah, whatever it might be. Um, and it might be more suitable for you to work at odd hours during the day. You can do that, do what you like, doesn't matter to us. But the only thing we ask is you just make yourself available at whatever time it is that particular. So our team, we decided 10 a.m. was the time for us. All right, okay. So every morning between 10 and 10.30, we have that blocked off. And it's compulsory but, and the but is obviously if there's something else that happens, if there's a client call that comes in, you take the client call. If you're one of my team members who's still going out doing management accounts on site in that obviously a COVID secure manner, then yeah. that's fine. And I wouldn't yeah. expect them to break away to take a team meeting during that. But everybody else then sits in on that on that meeting. No, it's not been at all seen as being dictatorial or, you know, Big Brother-esque. Um, it's genuinely been seen as positive by all the team members. So they've responded positively. Yeah. And, and that's the story I'm getting from the other firms as well. Um, yeah, and I think how you approach it matters, doesn't it? I think if you, yeah, if you approach it from the, the point of view of, yeah. exactly, you know, we, 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 you know we're, we're, a, we're a caring, sharing uh, team. We're, we, you know, as employers, we genuinely want the best from our people and we want them to feel happy, comfortable, yes, productive at the same time. Mm. But this is an opportunity in recognition of the fact that we're all remote. It's all a little bit weird. Mm. It's nice to be able to get together and physically see the people that we are working alongside once a day one of the other things that that we have done and, and we do from time to time in fact my corporate audit team do this particularly is they'll have a time during the day of that maybe a three-hour slot where they'll just have a zoom meeting open and anyone can jump on the zoom meeting and they just work hmm. you know they're not necessarily talking to the other people in the meeting but they can see the other people in their team working away in their own homes um, and some people have found that quite useful. Some do, some don't, but we give them the opportunity. Yeah, yeah, I've heard, I've heard other firms doing the same. Uh, just, yeah. just that, you know, if, if rather than having to work out, that, you know, get all the tech work and it's just there, it's live. Exactly. It's doing that, it's having that, uh, that, that live piece. So um, how has um, the, the performance of the team been uh, with these daily check-ins? Has it gone up? Has it gone down? Has it stayed about the same? How's it, how's it, how, how have they performed? I think my team have performed exceptionally well through right. through through the pandemic. Um, they've dealt with an awful lot, particularly through March, April, May time when everything was a little bit more up in the air than, than maybe it is this time around. Um, as far as productivity is concerned, productivity has actually gone up through through lockdown. Brilliant. Um, yeah, it is. It's a bit bizarre, but it is brilliant. No, no, it's, I'm seeing it in, the, you know, and again, it's back to the firms who've got more more contacts, more communication with their team on a daily basis or three times a week or five times a week or even more in one or two cases. They're the ones who've seen productivity increases. Yeah, and I think that's 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 right. I think the fact that you're you're giving people the opportunity if there is anything, if there are any challenges, or even if it's a case of, oh, well, such and such client hasn't come back to me for three days. Mm. Well, if we all know it and someone else is talking about something else with them, or, you know, there might be <laughs> some of them, they'll drop me a stupid WhatsApp joke yeah. and I can just ping back and go, yes, very funny, you know, yeah, yeah. but can you speak to, to John and get X, Y, and Z sorted? Yeah, and yeah. it just makes that whole communication piece. It's all about communication. We started off on communication. It's all about communication and making yeah, yeah. things easy for people. 
Um, and, and that works as much for the team as it does for clients, isn't it? Absolutely, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sean, you, you brought up the, the, the time in Durham, and I know we were involved in that, that process together at Durham Business School. And, 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 and I, I, I tell a story about those meetings with accountants talking to business owners and business owners talking to accountants who weren't customers of each other. Yeah. Um, and, and the piece that stood out for me was the fact that all the business owners, without almost without exception, and we did it, I did it with your year and I did it with two other years and and, and, the, and the same question generated the same answer. And, you know, the business owner saying, look, what we want is advice. We want you to be on the front foot giving us advice. Um, how do you think that's changed? And, and what, how long ago is it since we were in Durham? 15 years? Something oh, like must that. Be. Must yeah? be at least. Yeah. Years ago. Um, so what's different now? What's working better now in terms of the profession being better at advising as opposed to doing the compliance work? I'm not sure the profession necessarily is. All right, well, let's talk about Burgess Bullet then. Okay, I think elements of the profession are, and I think tech has been the big difference. Right. I think I think the advent of technology to enable you to be over your clients' numbers on a day-to-day basis, whether you're involved in the data processing or not, is, is almost irrelevant. Yeah. But, but, but the use of cloud technology in particular enables you to have that overview um, of what's happened, what's happening mm. and what's going to happen, all three of which being being crucially important and enables you then to be much more proactive with the clients. I think the other thing that's probably happened comes back to my societal change is that business owners are much more prepared to listen maybe now than they were in the past. And I think maybe as a profession, we're better at giving stuff away. And I know that's kind of I shouldn't say that for this because other accountants are listening to this, but, but but being prepared to share knowledge, to offer ideas without expecting an immediate payback in the form of paid work. I think I think we've as a profession we've got better at that because society is better at communicating and sharing generally. I think than it was yeah. fifteen years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the, the, uh, there's something you said there in terms of you know because we've got the technology, we're better able to see what what has happened, what what where they're at now, but also uh, look to the future a little as well. Uh, how good a Burgess and Bullock at about having those future focused conversations and connecting your clients up and challenging your clients on the future perspective of their business because you know. It's still, you know, the profession is still very much seen as a profession that looks backwards. Historical numbers, historical data, but actually, um, I, I can't tell you, and you, and I'm, see, I know you'll be nodding your head around, you know, if you have a future-focused conversation, you'll have a more engaged client than if you have a conversation about some numbers that showed up three months ago or six months ago or even last month. Um, how good a Burgess and Bullet now about having, and, and I want to load the question here, okay. uh, having future-focused conversations across the firm because what 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 quite a lot of firms are good at is one or two people in the firms are good at having future focused conversations at partner or savvy manager level but um what what about what's going on at Burgess and Bullock or what's changed what's improved in Burgess and Bullock around having these future focused conversations in a leveraged way I think what's probably better is a better understanding of the clients as people as opposed to businesses. I think, right. I, th- I think at a team level, that relationships are much stronger than maybe they were 15, 20 years ago. I think we've always been very good, as I say, at communicating, but I think that's always been much more top level. Um, yeah. 
it's been driven much further down now and tech has helped with that so more junior people now will be speaking on a more regular basis with clients and naturally they build a relationship and naturally because of the way i think in which we we encourage communication both within and external to teams um they have conversations that aren't just around the numbers and aren't just around the business mm. so there are there are many more of those conversations going on i wouldn't say it was perfect by any stretch of the imagination you know we, we, we're sort of mm-hmm. like like most firms a bit of a curious egg um some people are better than others and, and you know obviously the more senior um an individual is the more comfortable they feel in having those unscripted conversations that could go anywhere you know the scary stuff you know yeah yeah the ambiguous stuff yeah, it, yeah exactly yeah. good heavens i'm not qualified to do this they didn't teach me this in frs whatever it might yeah, be yeah. One uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but i think generally that we are we are much better i think even um and I kind of hesitate to to, to 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 pull out or to highlight any individual department, but even the departments where you think they're probably going to be more his, historical focused, more compliance, like, for example, uh, processing tax returns, for example. Mm. Um, I think if, even those teams now are much better and much happier to have those forward-looking companies, which, to be honest, you've got to have because you've got to put whatever it is you're doing today into context. Yeah. So we're not we're not there. We're not there by any stretch of the imagination. There's an awfully long way to go, but we certainly have moved across the board. Yeah. You're saying stuff that I'm hearing from the the. the if I look at the younger businesses, not 134 years old, younger firms um, who are very much driving the uh, volume of contact at all levels within the business with the client. And so I'm interviewing uh, uh, um, uh, another guy, Luke Smith, from Purpose in, in in Jersey in a couple of weeks' time. And I know um, Luke's made a big play out of tracking and measuring the number of points of contact at the bookkeeping level okay. and the number of points of contact at the financial controller level and the number of points of contact at the FD level and the number of points of contact at the MD level. And says, well, actually, the people who know the most about that business are at the FC stroke bookkeeping level. They know yep. more than the uh, directors do. Yep. Um, so actually, if you can pull that knowledge on clients and uh, all of a sudden you've, uh, you, it looks as though you know more about their business than they do. Yeah, very powerful, yeah. Yeah, very powerful. If you can systematise it and knowledge capture it, which then, I guess, in a roundabout sort of way, brings you back down to um, that CRM piece because people, um, it, it, it's still not taken seriously enough in most businesses. But, you know, it's, you know, customer relationship management. It's a powerful, um, powerful concept, isn't it? There's a clue in the name, isn't there? There is. There really is. There really is. Um, so it'd be interesting to have a conversation with you about a year's time, Sean, as to whether you've got KPIs that are tracking the number of points of contact between Absolutely. your team, um, which I, I know it isn't easy. Um, it's, you know, capturing, you know, write-offs and chargeable time and all those other wonderful numbers, maybe. Um uh, tracking and measuring the hardest stuff sometimes can deliver a better result for the businesses. Um, and it's interesting, I was, you know, I was talking to a guy earlier this morning and they, they're making a big play out of um, tracking and measuring the number of points of contact. As important as the, uh, you know, volume and value of work completed each week and build. Yeah, and makes you go, sense. Well, what a, what, what a good, what a good. So last question then. Um, well, what are you most proud of about Burgess and Bullock now? You've been in there a long time. <laughs> no. <We're> still here, <laughs> which is an achievement. You know, what is it? Yeah, you know, we, we, we're we're interviewing this at, towards the end of twenty uh, twenty. You know, if you you look, you look back over the last twelve months, what 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 makes you feel most proud about the business? I think the adaptability of the team. 
I think the way in which they've stepped up to the plate through the pandemic and beyond, the level of contact that they've had with clients. My, my guys, girls, were, were, were phoning clients on a weekly basis through March, April and May as yeah. things changed. You know, they, they, they were every single client had at least four or five completely proactive phone calls mm. as well as emails as well as the help sheets that we were providing as well and and that was brilliant so we, we probably spent the first six or eight weeks doing completely unchargeable time mm. as a result of that yeah. but that in itself has paid dividends sort of as, as things have progressed so we're, we're now seeing or we've we're not enough i'd like to see more business planning forecasting sort of coming through recovery and all the rest of it yeah um but the, the the, the feedback we've had from clients during that period has just been absolutely astronomical. So that's, that I would say, my team. I'm most proud of my team, without a shadow of a doubt. And the, and the fact that they've cemented those long-standing relationships between your firm and your client's firm. But I, I, I like your point earlier. It's not Burgess and Bullock and clients, their business. It's your people and their people Correct. are connected stronger and therefore you've got a more human business as a consequence. Correct. Do you th- what do you think? Um, I said that was the last question, but something else occurs to me now. <laughs> uh, but, you know, um, what do you think's changed about the expectations of your clients in terms of the volume of contact? Oh, I think clients are now um, expecting to be spoken to when they're not necessarily any any reason to, as opposed to even a year ago, that probably wasn't the case. Yeah. Um, which is, again, it's great because that's what we want. But again, it's a challenge and it comes back to your point of earlier. So how do we measure and monitor that on a, on a daily, weekly basis? Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, but I think you're right. I think asking that question, you're, you're absolutely right. That has changed. And I think that's great because, as I say, that's that's where we are as a firm. That's where we want to be. And that's where the profession is going to have to be going forward. It's all about relationships. Yeah, because the technology is going to be taking over more and more of the number crunching stuff, isn't it? Already uh, is. Well, it already is, absolutely. Yeah. But at the, at the moment, we're kind of in the sweet spot, aren't we? Because tech's come so far that there's a lot of stuff that we couldn't do cost-effectively in the past that we can now do. Mm. So I think a lot of firms like ourselves are picking up a lot of compliance, bookkeeping, sort of transactional-type work, mm. and we can now do that really, really efficient, efficiently. Mm. Um, but it's not it's not going to be many years before it goes that step further where that's just going to go completely, completely mm. automated and and. <laughs> and then you're looking at things like the year-end accounts and the tax, etc. They're you know they're they're next in the firing line. There's no, no two ways about it. Yeah, yeah, I agree, I agree. And it, I, I'm I'm glad you respond with yeah. I think un, unlike a rubber band, you stretch and it goes back to the same shape it was before. Your clients have stretched their expectations of your firm through more in, intimate and regular contact with your team. And you know to go back to the way it was, they'd probably be disappointed in Burgess and Bullock going forwards. Yeah. Absolutely, Paul. But equally, that's a two-way street because when we're noticing now, we're getting more contact from clients about things that they would probably just gone and done previously or not thought to say, you know, is it worth my while doing this? Yeah. So they're seeing real value in having those conversations as well. So it's a two-way street, but I, I think that's great. I think, as I say, that's really the way as professionals we, we are going to have yeah. to go if we want to earn a living in the 22nd century. And and therefore, just to hammer home my early point is, have you got any choice but to track and measure the points of contact between you and your team? All right, message received. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I've been banging that drum for eighteen years. In fashion, so, but all of a sudden, maybe just maybe there's um, there's a band, there's some bandwidth for that. Sean, this has been brilliant. I really appreciate you taking time out and being so open and, and candid and honest about what's going on in Bursa Thank you very very much indeed. Absolute pleasure. Thank you, Paul.
you'll find more valuable discussions with the leaders of ambitious accounting firms at humanisethenumbers.online. You can also sign up to be notified each time a new podcast is made available. This podcast series, Humanise the Numbers, has been made possible thanks to the support of our sponsors, My Workpapers, Advanced Track, Satago and VFD Pro. Visit humanisethenumbers.online, click the logo of each sponsor, and you'll hear what our podcast interviewees have to say about the sponsor's services.